somehow that uh, made a difference in somebody's life. And uh, that's what matters most. Amen. 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 Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good pulpiteer, sermonizer. And uh, all I can do is try to deliver what I feel. Uh, I'm here to help and uh, you can't help if you want here and you can't hear help as we said the other night if you want obey and uh, we need the Holy Ghost I uh, I'm bothered when I see people that aren't really in love with God it just it, it bothers me because I I know what God's done for them. And I yes. look out across my congregation and I wonder how people that have been such great beneficiaries of the mercy of God can forget all about that somehow and uh, drift into a condition uh, really where they're on their way to being lost if they're not lost already. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, begin at verse 1. He said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. God, we come to you today so thankful for your presence that we have felt in this place. Thank you for visiting us, O oh God, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to renew us. God, to remind us of the great hope we have in you eternal life of an eternal home and God we're thankful for salvation tonight we're so thankful to be in a place where truth is preached to us and that we can find an experience of the Holy Ghost in filling in Jesus name baptism the only saving message and God but we've come tonight so needful of you I, I recognize my need of you today and I'm asking you to to come into this place and gather our minds and our hearts together. I'm asking for your help and your knowing right now, God, that your will could be done. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And I want to talk to us tonight about lost passion. Amen. Lost passion. When one writer said a strong passion for any object will ensure success for the desire of the end will point out the means another said if you really have a desire for something you'll find 
a way to get it. If you want to go somewhere, you will find a way to get there. Amen. The Bible makes it clear that in our Christian life, passion for the things of God is important. In fact, it is essential that we have a passion for the things of God. Passion is, uh, passion is simply a, an ardent love or an, an ardent affection, a driving affection, intense. And uh, one, one term says an overmastering feeling of conviction, that desire, amen, that's in our heart, that it, it takes control of our life. It causes us to change our course and our habits. Passion is a, a strong liking or desire for or a devotion to some activity or object or concept. And we know uh, people in our world are passionate about a lot of things. And I know none of you know this, but uh, y'all have sports teams here in town. I think you have the Kansas City Royals and the Kansas City Chiefs probably some college teams to go along with that. But those people are passionate. They are passionate about uh, their, their sports and their, their teams. I, I have a man that recently came to church. He went to an apostolic church back in the 70s. And it, it was a rather large church. But it, it, it folded up suddenly. And he uh, just wandered around for, this was in the late 70s. And uh, beginning of this year, he drove by our church and uh, he saw Pentecostal on the sign. So he thought, I've, I've got to check that out. Amen. So he came to church. We knew nothing about him. And first chance I got to talk to him, explain a little bit. He said, as soon as I saw Acts 238 up there, I knew I was in the right place. And I came for a couple of weeks and missed a couple of weeks. And uh, when he came back, I went to talk to him again and he said, my wife is really fighting me and giving me a hard time. She's an attorney. And uh, she did some research about Pentecost. And she said, those people are fanatics. He said, well, then I want to be a fanatic. Because those people have the truth. Amen. I don't mind people thinking I'm a little too passionate about the Lord. But if we were compared to them and how they give themselves to those things that they are passionate about. Amen. Often we, we would look like we really didn't even have that, that big of a desire for the things of God. Amen. There are a lot of things I enjoy doing. Most of them are hunting or fishing. But I certainly would never want to be more excited or more passionate about those things than I am about living for God. Amen. Passion is a, a strong affection or strong enthusiasm. Amen. You ever seen people that are excited about things? I, I, you know, I love new converts, new folks. They're excited. Amen. I tell them it's such a phenomenon when people get the Holy Ghost. They look around. They love everybody. They think the people in the church are the greatest people in the world. And I wish that never wore off. And I wish everybody in the church was worthy of those feelings. Amen. But in reality, the church is a great place. It's a wonderful place. Amen. It's done so much for us. The house of God and the things that have transpired in our life. Amen. Passion 
is enthusiasm, fervor, or zeal. And, uh, you know, I'm a pretty laid back person, but I want to make sure when I come to God's house, people don't wonder whether or not I'm glad to be here. Or if I really believe what I'm singing. Or if I really believe what I'm saying or what is being said. Amen. Over the pulpit, there's got to be some fervor and some zeal. Amen. They, they said enthusiasm speaks of an emotion that is deeply stirred. Amen. Something ought to move deep down inside of our hearts. Amen. In the house of God. Amen. I really believe the biggest problem we have is we really are not grateful. We're not as thankful as we ought to be for what the Lord has done for us. And, and I, you, I know our new conference course, we talk about having an attitude of gratitude. When you come to the house of the Lord, where does worship start from? The Bible says, I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Amen. We walk in the house and again, we're thankful. We remember what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Remember the mercy he's shown to us. It stirs something up inside of us. Amen. We come to his house and there's not praise in our lips. Amen. There's not worship in our heart. It's because we've forgotten what the Lord has done for us. Amen. We've forgotten the mercy of the Lord and maybe we just don't love him like we ought to. Amen. They said that passion is an intense emotion, compelling action. We've heard they, they have, they call them crimes of passion. That something suddenly stirred something up in a person and it calls them to do something that normally they would not have done. Amen. But their passions were stirred up. They, they lost control for a little while. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, no matter how refined we think we are, amen, no, no matter how, how, how much we're trying to, to keep our composure, amen, passion means something's going to happen in the house of God. Amen, I'm going to get beyond myself and I, I'm not, I'm not going to be intimidated. I, I'm not going to be controlled by, by the atmosphere around me, but in my heart there's a song of thanksgiving. One, one, I think it was Maya Angelou said, she said, birds don't sing because they have the answers. They sing because they have a song. Amen. You may not have all the answers to life tonight. You may not have all the answers to what's going on, but we can't afford to let what's going on in our life steal our song and steal our worship and affect my passion for the Lord. You may have a, a, a lot of trouble going on in your life and you may have had a bad day today. Amen, but he's still God. He's still good. He's still worth. I cannot let, amen, the things of this life, amen, change how I feel about God. Well, hallelujah. Compelling action. They say that the origin or origin of the, the word passion is the description of Christ's sufferings on the cross. And it includes the idea of suffering and submission. We, you know, we, everybody's aware there's a movie called The Passion of the Christ. And it talks about his passion. And in uh, the Spanish, they have a song of uh, Via de la Rosa, The Way of Suffering. Amen. So it was his passion. What? For the joy that was set before him. Amen. The Bible never said that he was excited about the cross, but he was excited about what the cross would accomplish. 
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Sent down the right hand of the throne of God. There was something that compelled him. Amen. Through this time of trouble, through this time of suffering, and, and whatever's going on in our life, there has to be something down inside of me. I'm going to make it through this, Pastor. Amen. This isn't going to keep me out of the house of God. Amen. This is not going to defeat me because down inside, amen, I know there's a hope eternal. Amen. There's a promise. There's, amen. There's a crown laid up for me, and I I'm not going to let anything in this life steal that from me. I may have to suffer. I may have to submit myself to some things, but I want to make it. Amen. Amen. I, I really believe that, that we must be passionate about God. Or people might question our religion. Amen. It's been a long time since I've been to a sporting event. Oh, about 40 years, I guess. And uh, but people don't go to sporting events and sit there and cross their arms and fold their legs. They don't fall asleep. Why? Because they're answering what's going on. They don't want to miss anything. They get caught up in the event. Some of them go there and they get drunk. Well, amen. I, I forgot the numbers, but what it costs a person to go to a sporting event is up into several hundred dollars now. And that's figuring parking, transportation, price of a ticket, and, and uh, buying some of those $80 hot dogs and $40 Cokes. They're not quite that high, but they're, they're close. And the amount of money they'll spend to go to these events, amen, they're certainly not going to miss out. Amen, any of y'all grew up in the world? Ever went to the movies? Go to the movies and fall asleep? Oh, you paid your five bucks to get in. I don't know what it cost, but five bucks sounded good. And you only get your money's worth. And so I don't understand people that come to the house of God. I, he, well, I, I pastor a lot of Hispanics, and Hispanics like to party. Any Hispanics here tonight? Say, I bless me, You like the fiesta, man. They, I, I got some folks when, and man, they were party animals. I'm talking into their 30s and 40s, nightclubbing every night, love to dance. Well, you didn't go to the club and go over and sit in the corner. No. Hey, man, you're out there getting Saturday night fever or whatever was going around in your age. You were doing a locomotion or you were spacewalking or whatever they call it. Yeah, think about what you did in the world. And ask yourself, is God getting as much out of me as the world got out of me? Amen. Did good my world get goodbye? Get as much out of me. It's, well, amen. I guess I'm old. I remember when the Bee Gees were the big thing. Amen. KC and the Sunshine Band. KC went to the same high school I went to. He's a little older than me. 
but uh, disco. And, and people doing crazy stuff. I had a cousin who's backslidden. He, he was working with me at that time, and he come in one day, and he, he was not the brightest bulb in the box, but he, uh, he came one day, somebody, he got this Puerto Rican girlfriend. She liked to dance, so, so he, he started learning to dance. Now, this is the 70s. And uh, he's talking about he he picked her up, and started swinging her around on the dance floor, and knocked some folks down. <laughs> People did crazy stuff out in the world. But here we are, full of the Holy Ghost, and we better make sure we got more passion for the for Him and the things of the kingdom of God than we ever had for this world. We need to be passionate about God. Hallelujah. We ought to be passionate about prayer. Amen. I told my, I teach my church, everything hinges on prayer. Everything. You got a good prayer meeting, you're going to have a good church service. You have a bad prayer meeting, you're more than likely going to have a bad church service. You're going to work the service leader to death trying to have a good service. Passionate about worship. Well, and you know, I'm, I, I give leeway to everybody to worship in their own manner. I got some folks, they worship different ways. That's fine with me. I don't want them to all act like me. Well, I don't want them to all do everything just like I do it, but I want them to be passionate. However they gave themselves to other things so much more. Do I want them to give themselves to God? Passionate. Passionate about the word of God. Amen. Something needs to be stirred up inside of us. Amen. Every time we hear the word of God preached. Amen. Preach is not a sport. Preach is not entertainment. Amen. Preach is not just some way for somebody to make a living. Amen. It's God's chosen method to try and reach humanity. It's God's chosen way to try and pull you up out of the pit of hell. There needs to be something inside of you that says, Preacher, preach to me. Pastor, preach to me. If we were passionate about the word of God, we'd never get mad at the preacher. Well, hallelujah. This is the word of God that sets you free. This is the word of God that's going to help you get to heaven. Amen. Passionate about this gospel. Our conversation reveals what we are most passionate about. Amen. And the church needs to be passionate about this gospel message. The world... I don't think it even dawns on us how many people in the world don't even know what we know tonight. And there's people that would love to feel what you felt in this place tonight. They'd trade their habits and their addictions. Amen. They'd trade their party life if they could find their way. Amen. Into the presence of God and feel what we get to feel on a regular basis. They'd trade it all for the touch of God in their life. One writer said, passion and purpose go hand in hand. When you discover your purpose, you are normally fine. That is something you are tremendously passionate about. If you figure out what you're supposed to be doing, you'll find it's something that in your heart. Amen. Amen. 
I know I already found out your pastor doesn't hunt. Do you fish? I got to pray for you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We have to bring to Miami. Brother Kelly, we took Brother Kelly fishing. He said, I didn't do nothing. They just woke me up and put the rod in my hand and I started turning the handle. That's, that's good fishing. You just take a nap and when something gets on the line, they wake you up and you start reeling. And then we take your picture with the big fish. And you can tell whatever story you want when you get home. I was telling my folks, you know what? People don't like fishing because they don't know how to fish. If they knew how to fish, they'd like it because they'd be catching fish. You don't do something for very long that you're not good at. Say, well, I'm not going to do this. You're not going to keep playing a game that you get beat at all the time. You'll find a game you can win at, even if you have to cheat. When you find what God wants you to do, something will happen to you. You get passionate about it. Amen. I I wouldn't trade what I'm doing for anything in the world. Amen. Maybe maybe I should calm down sometime, but I believe in what I'm doing. Amen. And it bothers me when people, amen, don't have the kind of feeling about the kingdom of God they ought to have. Amen. I was raised in church. Amen. I'm thankful for what God brought me into and what God revealed to me. I'm thankful for this great salvation tonight. I'm thankful for the people that God, amen. I just look out of my congregation. Sometimes I start weeping. Amen. God, you let me be a part of your kingdom. Amen. I'm telling you, when you get this down in your heart, it'll change how you think. It'll change how you live. Amen. We need to get passionate about living for God. Amen. We need to be passionate about church. Well, passionate about church, 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 church. This is the house of God. Amen. Jacob, when God met him, he said, this is the house of God. This is a gate of heaven. This isn't just a place. Amen. This is the beginning of a journey. We need church. We need more church. Amen. Well, you know, one of the things they say to identify sick sheep is they isolate themselves. Sick sheep isolate themselves. Anytime a sheep isolates himself, the shepherd's going to go and check on it because there's a problem. We need church. You cannot live for God without church. Well, you, you can't be unfaithful to church and be faithful to him. You can't make it. Amen. You can't afford to miss being in the house of God. I always tell my folks, you know, we're building something around here. And every, every service, we're putting another brick on this building. And if you miss a few services, you're a few bricks short. You, you're going to try to figure out what's going on at church because some things happened while you weren't there that took the church to another place. And you're lagging behind, and that's hard to fix. 
We need the house of God. It's an integral or essential part of our walk with God being in his house. Amen. How many of you would believe your spouse loved you if they didn't come home every night? Well, I know where I come from. That doesn't work real good. I love you, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming home tonight. See, if we're not passionate about church, we're not really passionate about God. Even the boss is not the forsaking the symbol of yourselves together. It's a matter of some is. Amen. I, I don't believe we need less church. I believe we need more church. If we're not passionate about church, we're not really passionate about God. Well, well I got my own devotion. Um, I'll just act like I'm at home for a little while. I doubt it. If you can't be faithful here, if you can't pray here and you can't worship here, you're not doing it anywhere else. It's a whole lot easier to do it when you got all this help around you and all this encouragement. Amen. And I, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think every saint of God wants to see passion and hear passion in the pulpit. Y'all don't want to come here and your pastor get up and say, let me talk to you about Father God this evening. We're going to turn in our Bibles and discuss the word. Well, I don't believe the apostle Peter said, ah, repent, be baptized, every one of you. But I believe the whole time he was passionate when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent. Amen. You want passion in the pulpit. You want the preacher to give it his all. And let me tell you, every preacher wants to see some passion in the pew. He wants to hear some passion in the pew. Hey, I'll give you my best, but will you give me your best back? do my best for God, but will you do your best for God? Amen. We need the church to be passionate about the things of God. Amen. The children of God need to be passionate. Amen. About everything that goes on in this place. Amen. If you don't feel that way, I'm appealing to you today. Amen. You need to find a place of prayer. Amen. You need to stir the embers again. Amen. Before the fire goes out and say, God, restore my passion. Well, hallelujah. If we can't be passionate about God at church, we're never going to be passionate about him. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I, I've had the good fortune in the years of pastor to have a couple of different people in my church that were soul winners. They were bona fide soul winners, Bible study teachers. Talking when 10, 15 people bringing, I, I told your pastor about it. She was a young lady in her church at the time. One, one Sunday brought 43 people to church. Then three weeks brought over 80, close to 90 people to church that third Sunday. I'm not talking about an aggregate. I'm talking about that next, third Sunday. 
You know why? Because something's inside of them. They care about other people. They're passionate about the kingdom of God. And they remember where they came from. Amen. They remember the messed up life they had till God rescued them and something's down inside of them. I got to help somebody. There's other people out there just like me. I'm telling you, if you'd get passionate about soul winning, you'd be amazed at what God could do. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I've preached a message several times called One Person Can Make a Difference. One person. It don't take one person in this church to say, you know what? I'll never come to church again without a visitor. I'll never come to church again without bringing somebody with me. Amen. I'm not going to drive to church in an empty car. Well, amen. Something stir inside of us, God. I, I, I want my church to be on fire. And the best way to get on fire is for me to get on fire. Well, hallelujah. Amen. John 2 tells us about Jesus going up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and changes of money. And the Bible said when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen poured out the changes money and overthrew the tables. And said of them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the seal of thine house hath eaten me up. Amen. When they wondered, what's he done? Amen. They remembered. Amen. There's something down inside of him. Amen. He can't abide this. He can't just sit by and watch God's house be defiled. Amen. He can't just sit here and let the court of the Gentiles, amen, be overrun like a marketplace. The seal of his house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Is this okay? I, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm, I'm trying to preach what I feel tonight. It bothers me anytime I see my church not passionate about service. Anytime I don't see them praying, it bothers me. Amen. I don't see them up front worshiping God. It, it bothers me because I know it's the beginning of a process. And I want to, I want to rest their attention and say, "Hey, don't let this go too far. We need to get this fixed while we can." Tell you, God wants His church to be passionate about Him, and we're passionate about Him. He gets passionate about us. When we get passionate about his work, amen, he begins to bless everything that we do. Amen. The, the text I read this evening speaks to us about the danger of losing our passion. The letter written to the messenger of the church, the person sent by God to rule or preside over the church. And God began to speak to them and he said, I know your works and I know your labors. 
I know you're still doing good things. You're still active in good works. I'm not rebuking you because you're inactive. In fact, when you read about the church in Ephesus, there are no bad works mentioned concerning them. God does not rebuke them for any activities that are going on as happened in some of the other churches. In fact, the only issue he addresses is what he called a loss of life. He said, nevertheless, you're doing all these good things, but still, I have someone against you because now you've left your first love. You're still laboring. You're still working. You're still giving yourself to certain things. And said, I know, I know your work and I know your labors. And he said, I know your patience. You, you've stayed steadfast. You haven't turned your back on the doctrine. Amen, you're still on course. You haven't backstood. You haven't left the church. Amen, you haven't given in under pressure and under trials. Amen, you're hanging in there. They stood through tests. They stood through trials. They, they didn't allow themselves to be defeated. They, they held on to their faith. He said, I, I know. I know you've hung in there. You've not quit believing. In fact, writers say they were still faithful to the house of God. And they were still faithful to the work of God. Well, I, I was, I've told you I was raised in the church. My, my great grandmother and my grandfather prayed through an tent revival. My family was very active in church. My dad was song leader, choir leader, Sunday school teacher. Uh, but it was my mom's side of the family that initially got in church. And you would never be able to fault my family for not working. If there's any work to be done around the church, they were there working. They're cooking dinner. There was a work day, whatever it was. My family knows how to work. But what they didn't know how to do was pray. Well, they already don't like me, but... Uh, they were not spiritual people. I can't remember hardly ever going to prayer meeting growing up. We didn't miss church, but I can't hardly ever remember going to prayer meeting. Amen. But if whatever work was going to be, they would be there to work. God said, I, I know you're, you're working. I know you've gone through some things and you've stayed faithful. And I know you can't not bear them that are evil. You won't put up with sin and wrong. You didn't show any sympathy or, or tolerance for, for things that were wrong. You didn't give in to that. You, you defended truth. And he went on and said, you've tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and you found them out. You're proof. You're not what you say you are. Amen. You, you tried them. You put them to the test. You let it be known, hey, they're, they're not what they say they are. So they, he said, you didn't allow false prophets to come and hide behind sheep's clothing. Amen. But you proved what they were. Amen. I'm telling you, they weren't bad people. He said, you have borne. You've had patience. You've carried the burden. You've stood up under the weight of trials 
and test. And he said, for my namesake has labored. They, they didn't mind working in the kingdom of God. They, they helped each other. They stuck together. And he said, thou hast not fainted. You haven't grown weary. You haven't given up on me. You haven't turned your back on me. They never got weary of doing the work of God. But then he said, nevertheless. Amen. Let me just preach for a little while. We can still be doing it and do it without passion. We can still cut our hands and have no passion. We can still sing the songs and have no passion. We can still go knock doors and have no passion. I want to tell you, I, I figured out why we knock doors and nobody come to church because we don't have passion anymore. We're doing this labor. It's something we know we ought to do. I appreciate people that know what they ought to do and are willing to do it. Amen, but there's got to be a passion about it. Amen, what God was upset with them about. It's not that you're not doing anything, not because you're a big sinner and turned your back on me, but you don't love me like you used to love me. You're just doing all the things you know you're supposed to do. But you're not doing it from the heart anymore. You've lost the most important thing. There's a book written a number of years ago by Dan Butler called The Last Generation of Truth. If you ever read taught, he researched what they call the sectarian cycle. And it, it's followed different religious movements through their history from their founding. And most of them by the third generation lost everything. Because the, the first generation was God-centered. The second generation between, became church-centered. They did all the work around the house. And I'm tired of seeing my own family. Most of my cousins are not in church tonight. They're the third generation. They were self-centered. Every religious movement has followed that cycle. First generation, they're in love with God. They're doing it from their heart. The second generation just sees what's supposed to be done and, and does it. And it doesn't become about God. It becomes about the facility. Well, the connection with God is lost. And there rises up a generation. That's, it's all about me, 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 me. How come we don't have a gym? How come we don't have this? And what about this? And what about that? Years ago, we'd probably only been in our church about four or five years. And the family called. And uh, instant come to our church. They'd moved down from out of state. And their pastor actually recommended them not to go to the other church in town. And so they called me and they started asking me what I had to offer them. And uh, I finally said, you know, you're probably not going to like my church. And you'd probably be a lot more comfortable at that other church. And I didn't tell them everything else because you're carnal. Because you're just interested in what I can do for you. You're not interested in what you can do for the kingdom of God. I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, folks, and we'd be still be doing all the right things. Amen. Your church is beautiful. That's wonderful. You're, you're proud of it. You're taking care of it. I'm sure you're doing outreach. You're trying to reach those souls. But if we're not careful, it just becomes a habit and something we do. And we're not doing it with a passion. We've lost something along the way. Amen. God 
to find that place of prayer, amen, where the fire begins to flame up inside of me. Well, when I walk in the house of God, amen, I've got my mind made up and there's never gonna be a never done service around here, amen. I'm not gonna let this service go by without me letting God know how much I love him. Amen, God said the only thing wrong with you is you don't love me like you used to. He didn't say you don't love me. He said you don't love me like you used to. He said there's consequences for that. You're getting yourself close to a condition where if you don't repent, I'm going to come in. Take your candlestick out. I'm going to remove that light out of your life. The pulpit commentary refers to the church in Ephesus as the declining church. Machinery of the church was all functioning well. When you looked at it, man, it's, it's going good. It's kind of like that car going down the road. There's no oil in the engine. It's just, just a little while before it's going to blow up. They said it was the declining church. And it wasn't because they let up any in what they were doing. But it's because they lost their love. They maintained their sense of duty. They maintained doctrinal purity. kept all the functions operation of the church God said you're not doing it out of love for me anymore you're just doing it because you've learned that's what you're supposed to do you're doing it out of responsibility or maybe you feel like you have to going to church living good lives doing everything they'd always done but the only difference now it didn't come from the heart Wants to stand every once in a while at church, we're singing. I said, I, I want to hear you. Yes. Drop the mic. I said, I want to hear you. Right. Sing from your heart. Yes. I'm not here, amen, just trying to entertain you. I want to hear you praising God, singing with all your heart. And you know, it all, it's always the same when that starts happening. The atmosphere begins to change. When it's not the voice of a man in the pulpit carrying everything, but the voice of the people of God are lifted up. I'll tell you, it's such a glorious sound. From our heart, could we stand? Stand together and lift our hands and from our heart. God. Touch me again. God, stir my heart again tonight. I don't want to just go through the motions. I, I don't want to just do all the things I know I'm supposed to do. Oh God, I don't want to just learn how to be a Christian or learn how to look apostolic. But everything I do, I want there to be a passion in my heart. God, I'm doing the 
this because I love you. God, I'm doing this because I love you. Come on, let's cry out to the Lord. What a beautiful sound. Oh, I don't want to stand for something I don't love anymore. Oh, God, I want to love this. I want to love your house. I want to love you. I want to love your word. Oh, come on, could there be a cry from your soul today? Oh, I don't want to just do works. Amen. But I want to have a passion for the work of God. I don't want to just sing the song, but I want a heart full of love for Him. Oh, come on. Let it be an expression of a heart tonight. God, I've got to have you. Oh, could we come around the front tonight and pray together? Oh, God, 